According to the order of service, it should be the psalm first, is that correct? Yeah, okay. So this is Psalm 116. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious is the sight of the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. The second reading, the gospel reading, is from Luke 22, verses 39 to 46. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. to God. Thanks, Ed, um, for reading that for us. Please do keep your service sheets um, open to uh, Psalm 116. Um, and, and you might think that that's, it's, it's an odd psalm um, to be looking at uh, on Mothering Sunday. We're, we're in the middle of a series of psalms, Psalm 113 through 118, the, the kind of soundtrack to the Passover each year, uh, and therefore also the soundtrack to those last 24 hours uh, of Jesus as he heads uh, to the cross. And I think that actually in here there's a whole lot that is incredibly poignant for us uh, on a day like today. Uh, and so I'm going to ask that the Lord uh, would speak to us uh, as we look at that passage. Father God, thank you 
that your word is really honest with us about what life can be like. Father, that it doesn't hide from us, sometimes going through difficulties. Lord, I pray that today you would bring comfort to us where we are hurting. And that you would show us what it looks like to follow in the steps of Jesus our Saviour. And so would you speak through my faltering words now? And would you speak to each one of our hearts, I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I've already told you we're going through these psalms. Um, and the thing with Psalm 116 is that it's, it's a bit of a step change to some of the ones that have come before. Uh, you see, before that, we've had a whole number of psalms that have been kind of corporate. Uh, we uh, will praise the Lord. We will, we will, we will. Uh, here in, in Psalm 116, we get a single singer, I. Uh, I love the Lord, verse 1. Um, and what this single singer is going to do is he's going to ask the question... What does it look like to keep going when I feel like God's promises are going to fail? What does it look like to keep going when I feel like God's promises are going to fail? That's uh, the the, the question uh, that's going on. Uh, and, uh, And the way that the psalmist takes us through that as he explains a time when he felt like that. Uh, That's kind of verse 1 through to around verse 6. Verse 7 and 8 are kind of a hinge point. Um, uh, And then uh, kind of from verse 10 onwards, he he begins to look forwards and say, okay, so what difference does that make for me uh, now? So let's go with him. He he starts off the psalm, I I love the Lord. He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy uh, because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. And then he says, let me take you to a time when I worked through that. Verse 3 says, the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. What's what's going on? Um, Here he says, the cords of death. Literally, um, the the kind of, uh, the strings of hell came up and entangled me. I was in a moment of feeling like I was entwined with death itself. What's he talking about? Is he saying, look, I was in a fearful situation? Well, possibly. Uh, And yet I think there's more uh, than that. You see, uh, verse 7 gives us a bit of an insight. Uh, This this fear of of death, this being uh, encircled by the chains of hell, uh, it's to do with his soul. Verse 7, he says, return to your rest, my soul, for Yahweh has been good to you. It's as if uh, the problem, whatever is going on in this psalm that makes uh, this psalmist speak like this, is not just something physical. It's something that has entwined his very soul. His, his, his soul cannot be at rest. It, it is restless. Now, we don't know the, the situation uh, that this psalm was written into, but we are given a bit of a hint. Uh, you see, the way he describes it, the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. Uh, He's not just being melodramatic. Uh, When I was growing up, um, there was a distinct difference between when my dad was ill and when my mum was ill. Um, When dad was ill, uh, it meant that the upstairs was a sanctuary of quiet and and rest and darkness. And dad would would retreat to his chamber 
in order to convalesce until such a point as he would come back from next to death's door. Uh, when mum was ill, well, things would just carry on exactly as usual, and she'd just, I don't know if your house was, was like that, where the man flu is a thing. If I may, verse 3 isn't man flu. It's not him being melodramatic. It's him quoting, actually, a couple of kings. Uh, a couple of kings, King David, King Hezekiah, uh, back in the day. Uh, and, um, and both of those kings were in situations where their life was at threat. Uh, David was, was running for his life from the most powerful man in the kingdom. Uh, Hezekiah uh, was there as Jerusalem was surrounded. Uh, and both of them were also in a situation where God had promised them that he would save them. God promised David that he would be a king, that there would be a king on his throne uh, throughout all generations. God promised Hezekiah that he would defend Jerusalem. Uh, And all of a sudden, both those kings were in situations uh, where the current threat that was going on around them was causing them not just to say, I fear for my life, but I, I fear that even the one who I go to when I'm in fear may not deliver me here. It says, God, I, I know your promises are good, but I don't see them coming to fruition here. This unrest of the soul is one that says, what do I do if the one who I run to cannot be trusted? If I can't trust God's promises, where do I go? And this is where I think this can be incredibly poignant for us today. Because Mothering Sunday is a day when we rightly want to celebrate uh, motherhood and, uh, and, and those who are spiritual mothers to us in the church, as class so wonderfully pointed out and prayed for earlier. But it's also a day that can be incredibly painful, can't it? A day uh, when uh, this can feel very much at home, uh, when we say, God, I, I know that you're good, I can't, I get that, but God, every time I see one of those flowers being carried by a child to their mum, that's like a little stab in my heart. I know you're good to people out there, but but what about to me, God? When month after month after month brings disappointment and anguish and sadness, where are you, God? How can I trust you, God? You say, you say you work for my good and your glory. How does that work? Well, maybe today's the day when you long that your mum was here to give those flowers to. But she isn't. And perhaps she never was. And you look around and you say, I, I can see that you're good, God. But it doesn't feel like it. Not, not to me, not Not today. And actually, sometimes in those situations, knowing God can almost make it feel harder, can't it? It's not just time and chance and the sad thing that happens. I know the God who's meant to be there. He's meant to be my rock and my salvation. But where are you, God? Maybe today's a day when you look at your children and you think, God's been good to so many families around me. I see them, and yet I've prayed and prayed and prayed for my child, and, and he doesn't seem to be being good to them. Where, where are you, God? What, what, what do I do in that situation? And if I can't trust you here and now with that, how can I trust you with my eternity? 
And at times, it's not overdramatic to say that as we go through those crises, it feels like a little part of death has taken hold of our soul and pulled us. And so what does the psalmist do? From that place, verse 4, he says, I called on the name of the Lord Yahweh. When the Bible puts Lord in capitals, it's speaking Yahweh, the covenant God, as we've seen uh, throughout this series. And he says, Yahweh, save me. He looks back. This is the covenant God who's always been good to his people, who has saved them again and again and again, who saved them out of Egypt. I, I, I called out to him, save me. In verse 5, the Lord is gracious and righteous. God is full of compassion. He protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. So verse 7, return to your rest, O my soul, for Yahweh has been good to you. He has always been good in the past, and so I can trust that he is going to be good to me even today. Now, incidentally, we're not told, the psalm doesn't tell us that the immediate threat has been delivered. If, uh, the, the, the immediate situation that is calling him to, um, to, to, to worry goes away. Yes, he says he's been delivered from death, his eyes from, from tears, his feet from stumbling. Uh, and, and, yet, uh, and yet, because we don't know exactly what the situation is, we, we don't know. Is he talking spiritually? Is he talking physically there? But what we do know is that even though outwardly very little might have changed, his inward attitude has changed. He's calling out to the one he was struggling with. I called on the name of Yahweh. But maybe, again, it might be that you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, (laughs) but that sounds almost pathetically simple. Uh, really? Is, is that what you're going to send me away with today? Uh, stirring up all those emotions? And then say, I'll uh, trust Yahweh, and then go home, and I'll go home just trying harder? Well, the psalmist, he, he looks back at who Yahweh is, but as we've heard so often in this series, these psalms, These psalms come home to us when we look back to their fulfillment. You see, within minutes of singing this psalm at the Passover table, Jesus walks out to Gethsemane, doesn't he? Uh, To that second reading that we heard. You see, uh, Jesus, he he sings uh, of the cords of death entangling him, of of his soul being uh, in anguish. And then just moments later, what does he do? He casts his mind forward to Calvary. He casts his mind forward to to what it will take to put our souls at rest and at peace. Uh, To him becoming sin, him who knew no sin becoming sin for us. And his heart is in agony. Uh, He says to his father, doesn't he? I don't want to drink this cup, this cup of your right anger at sin. I don't want to drink it. Take it away from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, as he thinks forward to what it will take to bring you and me to God, he thinks of the hour where he 
the perfect son of God, he's, he's, he's always had that perfect relationship with his father, would cry out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As there he dies, smeared with my sin and yours. Jesus falls to his knees in abject terror, thinking of the moment that he will look up and see wrath in the eyes of his father. And so he falls to his knees with sweat like blood dripping from his brow. He was overcome by distress and sorrow. The cords of death entangled him. Anguish of the grave came over that Jesus. And he did it for you and for me. What does he do? Well, he does what the psalmist does. What is he doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He cries out to the name of Yahweh, the gracious and compassionate God, the one who protects the unwary, the one who who will bring him to resurrection Sunday. He will say, verse 8, Lord, you have delivered me from death, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. But notice What happens? Uh, Jesus goes through the first part of the psalm in order that he can do the second part of the psalm. In the garden, he he goes through this uh, abject terror, and we don't see that same terror in him again as he goes to the cross. Yes, it's awful, but we don't see him sweating drops of blood on the way to the cross. He trusted in the Lord, even in that hour of temptation. And so he was able to stand. He was able to take the cup of salvation, verse 13, and call on the name of the Lord. Of course, for Jesus, what would would have been going around his head? Yes, I will drink this cup. Not my will, but yours be done. He will take uh, the cup uh, of God's right anger at the brokenness of our heart, at the sin of humanity, and he will drink it in its full. He will fulfill his vows, verse 14, to the Lord, the, the, the eternal covenants that the Father made with the Son, that the Son would give himself up for his people. He, he will fulfill that vow. His death will be precious in the sight of the Lord. He says, uh, verse 16, uh, I am your servant. I, I am the suffering servant of Isaiah. I, I am the servant uh, of the Lord. I will suffer for my people. Uh, in fact, just as my mother was. He will say, just as Mary uh, said, may it be to me as you say. I am the Lord's servant. Mothers, see the influence that motherhood has.
And so therefore I will fulfill my vows, verse 18, to the Lord in the presence of his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. I will go into those courts. I will, as a lamb before the shearers is silent, I will stand accused and not argue back. I will go and I will be sentenced and I will be taken outside the city of Jerusalem and I will be murdered there. In order that his people can sing this psalm. In order that when you and I are in those moments of saying, Lord, it feels like your promises are going to fall short. It feels like my situation is threatening your goodness to me. It feels like you're good to everybody else, but not to me. In those times, we can say, I will call on the name of Yahweh. I will call on the name of that Jesus who went through that for me. And if he will do all of those things, how will he not do even more for me? I will call on him, knowing that for me, the second half of the psalm looks different to that of Jesus. For me, the second half of the psalm looks like lifting up the cup of salvation. Uh, Jesus has drunk the cup of God's wrath, uh, and therefore what's left for me? Well, uh, well, it's the cup that Jesus looked forward to at the Last Supper. It's the one that says, I will not drink this until I drink it again in glory. He says to you and to me, because I have been through that you will drink that cup. He calls us to call on his name. Not trusting in the world around us, living, fulfilling our vows to him, living as as faithful servants of his, not because we've got to, but because he's already done it. And that means that on a day like today, even a day that is joy tinged with sadness, we can cry out to the Lord, Yahweh, save me. And he will say to us, I have and I will. And one day I will wipe every tear from your eye. One day you will sit and you will feast with me in the paradise that I promised to the thief on the cross alongside all those who've trusted in me. Alongside those who we long that we could give flowers to today. Alongside those children who we've never met. Those who have taken from us. Alongside brothers, sisters, mothers and fathers in his church. And therefore... We can say, hallelujah, praise Yahweh, even when the situation around me is difficult. And so we're going to uh, follow in the steps of uh, those, the psalmist, but also in, in, in the steps of, of Jesus in singing, uh, we're actually just going to sing the first part of the psalm uh, today. And we're going to sing these words to the tune of O Little Town of Bethlehem. So if you're able, please do stand and let's sing this together. <laughs> 